Hello there, welcome back to our study of the names of Jesus. You might notice that the setup here looks a little bit differently. We're a little closer than we once were. And uh, the desk is gone. Well, we're working on maybe doing some rearranging and understanding this space a little bit better. And so wanting to, to update. And we've been doing it here in this spot for about a year. Uh, and we're looking forward to possibly, it might be a different space, but we might use it a little bit differently. So. I'm still trying to figure all that out. In the meantime, here we are, the names of Jesus. And today is a bit of a different one, maybe even a bit of a challenging one, because it's not one we see expressly written in Scripture. It's not an explicit name of Jesus. When we say King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lion of Judah, Lamb, Bread of Life, all those, they're there, they're in Scripture. We have to look a little bit for this one. This one's a little different. And this one is the Amen. Jesus is the amen. Okay, my goodness. Derek, you've gone off the deep end. What does that mean? That Jesus is the amen. Uh, what even is amen? We say it at the end of prayers, right? Um, if you're in church, uh, if, you, if you're as part of a congregation that tends to have a little more audience participation, you might hear an amen shouted from the audience. Uh, what does that mean? What in the world is that? Well, we find it in scripture, but it really is kind of tough and it's not obvious what it means. Uh, it's hard to translate. It is. So the word amen uh, is not, we don't have an English equivalent for this word. It is a, a transliteration or kind of a made-up word, uh, if you will, from the translations. What it basically means from what we see in Scripture is I agree. Uh, it means so let it be done or let it be so. It means you're right. It is. Uh, it means truly or something is true. When we see Jesus say verily, verily or Truly, truly, he's saying amen. He's saying a version of amen. He's saying this is true. This is fact. This is uh, faithful. This, is, um, this is, is something that you should listen to. And we say, I agree. Um, our modern cultures don't have a word for this. But we do have cultural norms that express the same thing. For instance, applause, clapping. The, the sound of hands clapping is a cultural example, a cultural expression of approval, agreement, uh, desire to let something be, to, to show approval. And in fact, in some cultures, a clapping of the hands is, is a way of agreeing with something. You, you might go over to, in parts of Africa, you go to their marketplaces, they will be negotiating over a price, and when they reach an agreement, they clap their hands. That means, I agree, I agree, let's do business. In our culture, we have a handshake. Right? We, we put our hands together and we shake. These are the ways that we express that, yes, let this be done. Let it be done as we have decided it should be done. Uh, so, so that's how we do this. Now, Jesus, let's, let's look for the amen. See, that's what we have to do. Uh, if Jesus is the amen, we have to understand what an amen is. Well, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, uh, which we call the Lord's Prayer, there's a part in there where he says, uh, let thy will be done. Let thy will be done. Let it be so. That's an amen. That's an amen. Jesus has an amen in his model prayer for his disciples and for us. He is saying to let the will of God be done. Are we doing our will or are we doing God's will? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And it's the question that Jesus confronts us with. In John chapter 6, Beginning in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, I am not here to do my own will. I am here to do God's will. I am here to let it be done, as God has said. Jesus is an amen. Jesus is an amen to God, affirming that he will be that will. He will be the personal agent of God's will. And that's what we mean when we say amen. When we say that Jesus is the amen, we are saying he is the agent of God's will. Now, to understand this a little better, I want to try to put, and this is scary to do, because once you do this, boy, uh, you can find examples where it doesn't work. But I'm going to, in general, try to put the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in boxes, in categories. Generally speaking, the Father is the planner. He's the developer of the plan. He formulates his will. And then oftentimes, in fact, almost exclusively, what we see happen is that the Spirit, the Spirit knows the deep things of God and understands the will of God. Now, again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all one but they're all separate. These are, the way I think of it is, these are qualities of God. These are, these are fundamental characteristics of God's nature. But, that said, God formulates the plan, the Father formulates the plan, and then the Spirit moves immediately because the Spirit knows the plan. The Spirit knows the intimate parts of the inner being of God, and when there's a plan, the Spirit then moves and goes out ahead like a scout. The Spirit always comes first, and the Spirit moves to prepare the way and to deliver and to bring the power. See, the Spirit has the power. So God, the Father, has a plan. The Spirit goes out in front to prepare the way, to deliver the power, and then always, almost always, comes the Son. And the Son moves, this is Jesus, and we understand to be Jesus, the Son moves to do that will, to be the one to take the action in the will. So the, the developer of the plan is God, the power of preparation, the scout team that goes out ahead is the Spirit, and then we have Jesus the Son who comes in to actually act out that will, to, to um, put into practice that will. Let's look at Luke chapter 4. I want to go here for just a moment. And we won't read the whole thing because we know the story. The story is that Jesus, after he's baptized, he has to go and face the devil. His ministry is to begin. Uh, but after that, let's, I'm going to skip a little bit, okay? So we're going to flip this one around. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to, um, we're going to go to verse, uh, let's start in verse 14. Uh, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit ah, there's a hint, to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll 
of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now let me just talk a little bit about the custom here. Um, they would get together and meet in the synagogue, which was kind of the, the center meeting point of the community in each town had a little synagogue and that's where they worshiped on Sabbath together. Um, very similar to our local congregational kind of uh, setup. And it was traditional that they would open up scripture and the men would come and take turns reading publicly from it. And you would have your turn, you would sit. Now, this was Jesus' day to do scripture reading. It was his day to do scripture reading at church. So he stands up, now imagine this, <laughs> but this is his hometown, right? So he stands up and he reads from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He is uh, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now this is also interesting because he sat down in the synagogue. Those who were teaching sat those who were listening stood. So he reads and then he sits and they're all looking at him to see what he will say. He's been teaching in these synagogues now for some time. And he began to say to them, oh, and if you don't get chills, come on, from this verse. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus sat down, or stood rather, and read from Isaiah a prophecy that the Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God is upon him, which it was, the Bible says at this point, because he's just come from fighting the devil. And his job is to come as the Father has intended to proclaim the good news, to care for the poor, to free the oppressed, and to bring about this liberty and proclaim the year of God's favor. And he says to them, these words of the prophet have been fulfilled today. You're witnessing the fulfillment of the prophecy. You talk about causing an uproar. It did, but what's the prophecy? The prophecy is that I've come to do the will of the Father. I've come to be the amen. I've come to be the action. The Father's will, his desire, his plan, with the power of the Spirit, as he mentions, I will stand and I will do his will. I will finish the job. I will complete the mission, the assignment. I will take action. And when action is taken in accordance with God's will, those taking the action are saying, let thy will be done. That is an amen. Jesus is an amen. If you back up, and before that I said we'd take it out of order, so let's take it out of order. Let's look at Jesus. Before this has to confront the devil. He has to face the challenges of this world. And I won't read the whole thing because we know the story. He goes into the, the wilderness. The Spirit, by the way, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. God had a will. The Spirit went out ahead. The Spirit brought the power and led Jesus to where he needed to go, out into the wilderness. Why? To confront the devil to confront Satan, to confront the powers of evil. And Satan would hurl temptations at him to betray God, to do his will, not God's will. Do it your way, not his way. Do this, do that, do the other. Make it about you, not about 
his will. And over and over, Jesus responds with Scripture to tell him, I will not divert from God's will. He responds to the temptation with the words of God, with the words and the will of the one who sent him, not his own, but the Father's, because the Father devises the plan, the Spirit leads in power, and the Son says, Amen. Let your will be done. This was an important part of Jesus, this temptation. The reason it was so important, the reason that it matters, is because, if you read, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about our high priests. Uh... The Old Covenant had an earthly high priest, a human being. And that had some advantages because these earthly high priests, they understand what it means to be human. They know how hard it is and how people mess up, make mistakes. But they have a shortcoming too in that they have to, they have to get their own sins forgiven before they can ask forgiveness for the people's sins. You know, And, and they, they lack a degree of the, the perfection required to go before God. There's still a separation there because they're human. Now, Jesus fixes one of those problems because he is God in the flesh, so he can go before the Father for us. But what about that part understanding us? Is Jesus the out-of-touch, holy Son of God? Or does he know what life is like down here? Well, according to Luke chapter 4, he's experienced a fight with the devil. And according to the writer of Hebrews, which I also believe is in chapter 4 of that, of that book, somewhere around verse 15, the writer says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. Rather, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus overcame the temptation. He, he fought the devil and he won. And by doing so, that is part of what made him the proper and perfect sacrifice. When we read Luke chapter 4, what we're seeing is the beginning of Jesus' sacrifice for us. This is the beginning the cross is the climax, but this is the beginning of Jesus preparing himself to be on that cross. He's preparing himself to do the will of God. He's preparing himself to do the will of God, not his own will. And repeatedly in the Gospel of John, John really focuses on this, saying over and over, I'm not here to do my will, I'm doing the Father's will. I can't say anything, do anything, or, 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 or move in any way that... The, that God the Father doesn't direct me to because I am him and he is me and we work as one and I long for that kind of relationship with God and Jesus says that relationship is available through him so we we follow after the amen we follow after the example that says I want to do God's will not my own and if the son of God says that then I think that's probably a pretty safe bet for us too Jesus is the amen that echoes through the universe the one that says, so be it. Let it be done. Let it be your will. The very beginning in Genesis, we see that the earth is formless and void. And there's darkness. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the water. God desired to make something out of nothing, to make order out of chaos, to create. That was his will. And the Spirit is there, observing, preparing, hovering over the water. And then God says, let there be light. Let light exist. John chapter 1, the Gospel writer refers to Jesus as the light. Follows the same pattern. God's will, 
Spirit's power, there's the light. The light turns on. Jesus is there to do the Father's will and to say to the universe as it wakes up, Amen. Let his will be done today and every day and let it be done in your life. God bless you. We'll see you next time.